0: Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, happy Mother's Day again. We're so glad that all of you are here today and, uh, and all of our ladies today. We just want to wish all of you uh, a happy Mother's Day. You know, I was looking up some statistics on, uh, on mothers and, you know, I found that last September 2019, believe it or not, the oldest mother gave birth. And uh, she was the oldest woman gave birth. She was 74 years old, and she gave birth to twins. Yeah, that's right. That's that's like Sarah right there, uh, getting close to it anyway. Uh, I also did some research, and what I found is, is that from 1725 to 1765, on record, the woman that had the most amount of children had 69 children. There were quadruplets and triplets in there, but 69 children. Some of you were exhausted just by... Uh, trying to school your kids in quarantine Uh, 69 can you imagine that Uh, you know in fact uh, a mother has to handle in her lifetime some extra 18,000 hours of child generated work Uh, I also uh, heard this little story, a junior high uh, science teacher lectured on the properties of magnets for an entire class, and the next day decided to give his students a little quiz. And so he said, you know, the the first question uh, read like this, my name begins with M and has six letters, and I pick up things. Do you know that the responses he got back from half the class uh, were mother, Mother, some of you feel like you're always picking up things. You know, on the other side of things, you know, Mother's Day for some is uh, not necessarily a holiday uh, that is joyful or that can be celebrated. Some of you are missing your moms today. You've lost your mom uh, and or perhaps been separated from your mom quarantine has kept us from being able to get together some of you have faced loss and so Mother's Day is a reminder that your mom is no longer here Uh, some did not have the joy of having a mom that was involved in their lives or or loved them so I recognize that today can be painful for some of you you want to be moms and that just hasn't happened yet and you've experienced the pain of barrenness you know I want you to know today that we are praying for you that we recognize that today is not always a joyful day for some of you, but can be very painful. And so I want you to know, that we recognize that, and uh, and please know that we are, pay, play, are praying for you, and uh, we want to honor you as well today. You know, as we jump into God's Word, uh, we're going to look at the story of a woman. She was a wife, she was a mother, and eventually she was a grandmother. Her name is Naomi, Naomi, and her name meant pleasantness. She was married to a man by the name of Elimelech, and Elimelech's name meant, my God is king. Uh, she had two sons, Malon and Kilion. Her story is actually found in the Old Testament book of Ruth, which was named after uh, a daughter-in-law, as we're going to find out. Uh, Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's see what's happening in their lives. In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So Elimelech and Naomi are Israelites. They live in that little town of Bethlehem. And uh, the name of Bethlehem, Bethlehem actually means house of bread. But here's the problem. In the house of bread, there was a famine. And so there was no bread in the house of bread. There was a a problem. And Elimelech was worried about how he was going to provide and feed his family. In fact, during this quarantine, that's where some of you are at. You're wondering, how am I going to continue to provide for my family. So Elimelech decided that he was going to leave behind his inheritance and his land, and he said, you know what, we hear that in the land of Moab, God has begun to provide some food there, and so we're going we're to go and we're going to be exiles into the land of Moab. And so Naomi was a refugee because they thought that there, the grass was greener on the other side, that there was going to be better in Moab. And the story continues in Ruth chapter 1, and while they're in Moab, tragedy starts strikes. Verses three to five say this, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband died and she was left with two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. It's a very sad story, a story of tragedy, a story of loss. So when we look at Naomi today, we see that Naomi has experienced a ton of grief. When she thought that they were going to leave and followed the direction and leading of her husband into the land of Moab, she thought that there they could start over and have a life that would be provided for. But there she found that her husband died, and then later her two sons died. In fact, in her grief, it so impacted her that later in this chapter, Ruth chapter 1 and verse 20, as she's returning, she says this, don't call me Naomi, she told them, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter, very bitter. Naomi's name Pleasantness all of a sudden became bitter. Mara, don't call me Pleasantness. My life hasn't been pleasant the Lord has been against me, and that grief, those bitter circumstances impacted her and began to impact her identity, and she began to deal with bitterness. You know, when I think of bitterness physically, I, I think of vinegar. Vinegar is something that's very, very bitter. In fact, for health reasons, I know there's a lot of good properties, but there's an apple cider vinegar that is out there. And in fact, my wife, Jamie, would, would, drinks this stuff, this apple cider. I don't know how she does it. It comes in pill form. Sometimes that's a little easier. But she says, well, you need to try it. It's healthy. I'm telling you, it is, it is bitter. And you know, sometimes there are circumstances in life that are like that. They, when, you, when they come into your life, they contort your face. It's bitter. They're bitter circumstances. Grief is bitter circumstance. Losing your job is a bitter circumstance. Being separated from your family because of a, a virus that is unseen and not being able to see them, or having a loved one in a nursing home that you can only visit through a window or talk to on the phone, can, can cause a bitter circumstance fact, bitter circumstances come in all shapes and sizes. You receive a diagnosis from the doctor, life-altering, something like cancer, MS, MD, something that happens. Maybe it's a car accident that impacts your life physically. Maybe it's a, it, it's a car accident that, that takes somebody that you love. Maybe somebody betrays you. Maybe you've experienced in your marriage betrayal. There is bitter circumstances that come into our lives, difficult Circumstances, the tragedy of life. And Naomi has experienced loss not only of her son, her two sons, and her hu- but her husband as well. Life has dealt a bitter blow to her. And we see that she's angry with God. The Lord Almighty His hand is against me. And today, as we continue our series, Overcomer, I want to look today at Naomi's life and a couple of others in scripture, and we're going to talk about how the Lord wants us to overcome bitterness to overcome bitterness. Now there's three truths that I want to share with you about bitterness. The first is this, everyone will face bitter things. Every one of us faces bitter things. Whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or whether you have yet to put your faith in Christ or not, I want you to know that everybody faces bitter circumstances. In fact, that's a little bit of what's happening in this pandemic. Every one of us are facing the challenges that have come. And for some, the bitter circumstances that had come from this, the job loss, the economic hardship, the separation from loved ones, there's all kinds of things that we experience that are bitter circumstances. Some of you seniors have not been able to experience prom or graduation the way that you intended to experience it. Some of you have lost out on some of those things, and as a result of that, you've had a bitter pill to swallow these circumstances, bitter circumstances. I want you to know that throughout life, before we even had the virus and long after, bitter circumstances are something that each one of us face in our lives. For Naomi, a a 10-year time frame, she lost her husband and she lost her two sons. She experienced bitter circumstances. Someone else in the Old Testament by the name of Job experienced bitter circumstances. He lost 10 of his children and a what he owned all in one day. Can you imagine that? Just wiped out in one day. In one day. In fact, uh, Job 14 in verse 1, he says, man is born of woman as few of days and full of trouble. In Job 5, 7 he said, but man is born for troubles as sparks fly upward. Every one of us experience bitter circumstances. Bitter circumstances is something that every one of us will face. That's a part of life. In fact, trials, disappointments, tragedies, they come to all of us. Now, sometimes bitter circumstances come because of choices that we've made. Sometimes they come because of terrible choices, because of not good choices, decisions that we have made in our lives, self-inflicted wounds, I like to call them. And in Ruth chapter 1, we can't help but notice that there was self-inflicted wounds that had come because of decisions that they had made. They were Israelites. Elimelech's name was my god is king and yet when there was a famine in Bethlehem the house of bread Elimelech decides that he's going to leave Bethlehem he's going to leave my god as king and he's going to go to a foreign land a land of Moab now if you know anything about the Moabites they descended from Moab and Moab was actually the son of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his oldest daughter They did not serve Jehovah. In fact, they served a foreign god by the name of Kamash. Kamash was a false god. Kamash's name means destroyer. And they would sacrifice their firstborn children in the fire to Kamash because Kamash was destroyer. Elimelech thought that that the grass was greener on the other side, but in fact, he stopped trusting in Israel. He stopped trusting in the Israelite God, Jehovah, my God is king, and instead began to trust in Kamash, destroyer God, and went to a nation, a foreign nation. You know, there are times when you and I make certain decisions where instead of trusting God, we decide to trust in our own reasoning. We make other decisions. Instead of trusting in our good God, we begin to take a different way, and what we find is an enemy, Satan, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and we find that sometimes the bitter circumstances in our lives come as a result of the decisions that we have made to step away from God's perfect plan and to begin to do things outside of His will. Now, I don't know that Elimelech died as a result of judgment. Scripture doesn't say that. We don't know that Malon and Killian did. In fact, they decided that they were going to marry Moabite women. Oftentimes, that was because there was an economic situation. There was kind of a joining together of a family. They were foreigners and refugees. Perhaps they thought that this would give them an economic advantage. And I don't know that necessarily it was God's judgment. However there Naomi finds herself without her sons and without her husband and in a foreign land sometimes the choices that we make the decisions that we make bring bitter circumstances into our lives says this in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 21 Naomi says this I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty why call me Naomi the Lord has afflicted me the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me you see Naomi has looked and she's decided that she was going to blame God for the bitter circumstances that come in her life and you know even in the midst of bitter circumstances it wasn't the end as we're going to see but there was hope so if you face bitter circumstances as a result of decisions that you've made in your life to kind of go away from God's plan and trust in your own reasoning I want you to know there is grace and there is hope and you'll see that in this story Now, the other side of the coin is sometimes bitter circumstances come out of nowhere. We don't don't plan for them. They come out of nowhere. We see this in Job's life. Job was someone that was called faithful. In fact, Job 1.1, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. In fact, if you read through Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2 over and over, you will see that it declares the faithfulness of Job. But yet out of nowhere come these bitter circumstances. Job experiences the loss of 10 of his children. He experiences a wiping out economically in his life out of nowhere. He was tested in his faith. And you know what? Some of us, that is what we have experienced. Out of nowhere has come this virus, this pandemic. Out of nowhere, our economic stability has been wiped away. Out of nowhere, we've experienced loss in our lives. Bitter circumstances sometimes happen, uh, but I want you to know something. It doesn't happen without God's permission. Now, that may seem strange, but what we see is that satan came and he says does job trust you for no reason you've got a hedge around him but what we see is is that god gave permission for bitter circumstances to come in to be a test of job's faith it says this in job 1.12, the lord said to satan very well everything he has is in your power but on the man himself do not lay a finger then satan went out from the presence of the lord you need to understand that although bitter circumstances come God is still involved and nothing happens without his permission and without him having a plan and a purpose for the bitter circumstances you face in your life. God doesn't allow us to experience the difficult circumstances, the difficulties, and the pain in this life that bring a testing of our faith because He desires to grow our understanding of His provision in His power. There are some things you will not learn about the goodness and the power and the grace of the Lord without going through the trials and the testings of your faith. James talks about that, but consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work that you might be complete and mature, not lacking anything. God has a plan and a purpose for every bitter circumstance that comes into our lives. Joseph is a good example of this. He was someone that was following the Lord innocently. Here he was receiving dreams and visions about what God wanted to do for his life. He couldn't help it that his father favored him over his brothers, and yet his brothers decided out of jealousy that they had ill intentions for Joseph. So out of nowhere as he's coming to find where they're at, they grab him, they plan, they plot, they throw him in a pit, they sell him into slavery as some Ishmaelite traders are coming by. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bitter circumstances come into Joseph's life. He finds himself as a slave in the home of a, a man named Potiphar, who was high up in Egypt. God's hand is upon him. He continues to remain faithful, and yet he becomes falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's wife and ends up in prison. There, once again, he finds favor in prison. The cupbearer and the baker, the chief baker of Pharaoh, end up in the prison. They have dreams, and Joseph interprets their dreams, and when those dreams come true, he says to the cupbearer, hey, don't forget me. Tell Pharaoh about my circumstances, that I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. Tell him I need justice. The cupbearer says, I'll do that, but for two years he forgets until Pharaoh has a vision. Bitter circumstances out of nowhere, and yet... When God begins to work things out, and when Joseph finds himself as second in command in Egypt and a famine in the land, and God has set him up, and his brothers come begging for bread, Joseph begins to say this in, in Genesis 50:20, this is how he interprets the bitter circumstances. "You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, Joseph could have interpreted those bitter circumstances in a negative way, but instead he chose to see God's hand in using bitter circumstances to position him in a place that would lead to the salvation of others. Bitter circumstances come, sometimes by our own decisions, sometimes out of nowhere. All of us will face bitter circumstances. Naomi, Job, and Joseph did. But here's the second truth that we find about bitterness. Everyone will face the temptation to get bitter. As we share bitter circumstances, they they come to all of us, but there's a temptation to allow the bitter circumstances to get into our heart and make us bitter. this is what happened to to Naomi. In Ruth chapter 1, 19 to 21, it says, so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, can this be Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why, Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Do you see it? The bitter circumstances came and there was a temptation. There was a bait. And Naomi took the bait. And no longer was she identified as Naomi pleasantness. Instead, she began to allow the bitter circumstances to cause her to become bitter. Mara. Now bitterness became her identity. We all face the temptation that when bitter circumstances come to that temptation to become bitter. Bitter circumstances are external, but bitterness is internal. When you begin to allow the bitter circumstances and you don't allow yourself to work through the hurt and the grief and the pain of the external circumstances, you can allow bitterness to take root in your heart. In fact there's a three-step process that happens when we begin to face bitter circumstances the temptation comes bitterness gets presented through a hurt every bitter person is a hurting person for Naomi she experienced deep pain associated with losing the ones that she loved her husband and her two sons you can see the pain as she expresses that verse 13 of Ruth chapter 1 it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. We see it again in verse 20, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Verse 21, the Lord has afflicted me, the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She, she's rehearsing the hurt. She's angry at God's uh, she, this, this anger and bitterness. Anger and bitterness are two sides of the same coin. We, it, it, when bitter circumstances come we get angry but if you don't deal with the anger if you, if you don't work through the place of the anger and the hurt and the forgiveness what can happen is the other side of the coin bitterness can begin to set in to your heart that's why Paul warned in Ephesians chapter 4 26 and 27 in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold do you see that? When we don't deal with the anger that comes from bitter circumstances, we can allow the temptation the devil wants to tempt us to allow that anger and that unforgiveness to give him a foothold in our lives and in our heart. And before we know it, we can become bitter. These circumstances can lead to bitter. And once those presented to us, then bitterness can establish a hold when we hold on to hurts. Bitterness establishes a hold when we hold on to hurts. Listen, everyone gets hurt, but not everyone gets bitter. Well, we can hold on to the hurt, and we allow ourselves to hold on to the hurt, then bitterness gets established into our heart. Naomi returning to Bethlehem with her two daughters, daughter-in-laws, and all of a sudden, you see that when that happens, this is what bitterness can do. Bitterness causes us to push others away. This is verse 11 of Ruth chapter 1. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why should you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? You you can't come with me. You know what happens when we allow bitterness to establish its hold? We begin to push others away. Others want to love us. Others want to journey with us through the pain. But we allow bitterness and anger to take hold. We begin to push them away. Naomi was allowing bitterness to get established in her heart. She showed up and they said, Is this, could this be Naomi? They could see a countenance difference and immediately she has the walls up. Don't call me Naomi. I'm not pleasant anymore. Call me Mara. Call me Mara. She pushes them away. The Lord's hand is against me. You know, there's a a poem that I heard that when hurt and grief come, here's what happens it's like this. First, You curse the hurt. Oh, this happened. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, this is awful. And you curse the hurt. And then you rehearse the hurt. You tell everybody how I've been hurt. Over and over, I've been hurt. Oh, this hurt. This person hurt me. That person hurt me. Oh, God was mad, mean to me. God judged me. How could God have let this happen? And over and over, we rehearse the hurt. And then we nurse the hurt. Oh, it's there. We nurse the hurt. Oh, somebody, I'm a victim. Somebody help me. Oh I, I this is terrible. My life is forever. This is bad. We begin to nurse the hurt, and then what happens is we begin to disperse the hurt. So you curse the hurt, you rehearse the hurt, you nurse the hurt, and then you disperse the hurt. Somebody who 's very bitter, it never stays with them they 're kind of like that that character in, uh, in in the peanuts cartoons, the one that 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 had pigpen and he constantly had the cloud of dirt and dust all around him, and, and everywhere he went, that dirt and dust kind of, it, it followed him. And you know what? That's what happens with a bitter person. When you allow bitterness to establish a hold on your heart, what happens is you walk around with this cloud of bitterness, and you begin to disperse it upon everybody that you meet. Hebrews twelve fifteen warns us of this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defile many. Bitterness doesn't just defile you. Bitterness impacts every relationship and it impacts your relationship with God. And that's number three of the process. Bitterness gets destructive in our relationship with God and others. Naomi blames God. In fact, her entire view of God is seen through the lens of her hurt and her pain everything now that she sees is impacted and so now her relationship with God has been impacted because of the bitterness in her heart but as we move through the story we'll see that that God was with her that there were things that she wasn't able to see because of the bitter lens that she experienced there were things that that she couldn't see clearly and you know what we can't see clearly in fact, she thought God was against her, but Romans 8, 31 and 32 says, what shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave all up, us up for all, gave up of us for all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? See, when we, when we hurt we indirectly, we begin to blame God. And that's where it really starts. Even when we're hurt by somebody else, why did God allow this to happen? We get angry at God, but we indirectly begin to hurt others. And, and, and when we're hurt by others, then it, it indirectly impacts our relationship with God. And to sum up what we've learned so far, everyone faces bitter circumstances. Everyone will face the temptation to get bitter, but there's another choice that we face. And that's this, the third choice Everyone can choose to trust God no matter what. Every one of us has a choice. When bitter circumstances come, you can allow bitterness to take hold of your heart or you can choose to trust God no matter what. Naomi lost her husband, her two sons. Those were bitter circumstances. But she allowed that bitterness to establish a hold and change her from pleasantness, become a part of her identity, to Mara bitterness. But let's contrast that with Job. Again, he lost 10 children and economically wiped out in one day. The pain was very real, but Job did not let the pain turn him into a bitter person. Instead, he made a different choice. Job chapter 13 and verse 15, this is what he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I recognize that God is in control, but I choose to trust him. Job took the hurt. And he decided to trust the Lord instead, and he chose to not become bitter, but chose to trust the goodness of God. Joseph, as we saw, made the same choice. betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, imprisoned, forgotten about. he could have easily blamed God. "God, you gave me a vision and a dream. Why did you let this happen to me?" When we see that he didn't, Because any time that he was in a new situation, God's favor was upon him because he continued to be faithful to God while he was in prison when the cupbearer and the baker had dreams and said oh we had these dreams Joseph could have stayed silent and said I'm not interpreting those interpreting dreams got me in trouble in the first place he could have been bitter no that got me in trouble and then what would have happened when Pharaoh would have had a dream what would have happened? A vision nobody would have known that Joseph could interpret the dream. He wouldn't have been in the position that God wanted him to be in had he become bitter, but he didn't. Instead, he interpreted the dream and it allowed for him to be in the position for the saving of many lives listen, you may not understand your circumstances. You may not understand the why, the bitterness, the grief, but you can trust that God's got a purpose and a plan. And when you begin to trust God's plan and God's purpose, you will see that he will turn it around for the salvation of many. Look at how this happens in the story. I love it. You know, Naomi can only see what she had lost. I've come back empty I went away full but I've come back empty you see, she couldn't see clearly but God's grace was still there and you know sometimes even in the choices that we make this is where we see the grace of God you see she came back not empty but with a daughter-in-law who had made the strongest commitment of loyalty that we see in the Bible where you go I will go your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And she makes a commitment. She's not letting bitter Naomi push her away but instead she comes back. And look at look at what it says here. I love it. Because God has redemption set up. you got to understand the purpose of God. God redeems bitter circumstances. And for Naomi God was the redeemer. Look what happens here. It says in, in Ruth chapter 1 in verse 22 So Naomi returned from Moab and accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, a arriving, look at this, in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now you can easily miss over that because it's the last verse. You can easily skip right over that, but you've got to understand the timing of this. There was bread in the house of Bethlehem, and it was the time of new beginnings. It was the time of harvest. This isn't something to skip over. The timing of God was perfect, and he was bringing Naomi back at a time, when Ruth, her daughter-in-law, would go and just happen to be in the field of someone who showed her favor, happened to be in a field where she could glean and provide for her mother-in-law, and beyond that, someone who is known as a kinsman redeemer, someone from Naomi's very own family—you can't. That, that isn't coincidence. You don't get to just line that. Oh, this just happened. Oh, I. I, I hey, coincidence. It's not coincidence. God had it planned because when Naomi, through her bitterness, could not see the love and the purpose of God, God's grace was there. His mercy was there for Naomi, and God provided for her. And Naomi eventually began to see, boy, God's hand is in this. And her countenance began to change. And she began to say to her daughter-in-law, oh, God has directed you. You know what? This is our kinsman redeemer. God is in the midst of this. And by the end of the story, Boaz redeems Ruth, redeems the land of her husband, Elimelech, and and takes Ruth in. She becomes his wife. And look at what happens in Ruth chapter 4 and verse 17. We're going to skip way ahead. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father, look at this, of Jesse, the father of David. Yes, David. David, the one who would kill Goliath. David, the one who would become the king of Israel. And more importantly, David in whom God would establish his covenant and his throne in which salvation would come. And eventually, through this line and genealogy, Jesus Christ, the Savior and the Redeemer of the world. Remember what Joseph said, bitter circumstances came so that God could put me in a place where the salvation of many could come and here in this situation naomi was in god's hand and god by his grace allowed her to receive back more than she ever lost in fact becoming a great 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 grandfather grandmother of the savior of the world jesus christ (laughs) this is awesome Do you notice that they don't say, Naomi? they say Naomi has a son, not Ruth. Naomi has had a son because of the way they looked at things. This redeemer, Naomi, she had lost, but now she had gained. She said, "I, I went away full, but I've come back empty. But God said, no, I have different plans for you. Friends, I want you to understand something. Bitter circumstances come to all of us, but you don't have to let bitter circumstances make you bitter. Instead, you can choose to trust Jesus Christ. You can choose to trust that he can turn around even these bitter circumstances. No matter what's happening, no matter whether we understand it or not, we can choose to trust God. Friends, you can trust God. God wants you to overcome bitterness. And I want to pray with you today. God, listen to this. God can turn your messes into, into messages. God can turn your mess into a message And God can turn your test into a testimony. You don't have to let bitterness take hold. Let God transform you. So have you experienced bitter circumstances? Have you been left grieving, angry, and hurting? You can can choose to give in to the temptation and become a bitter person, or you can choose to trust Jesus. And I want to help you with that trust today. I want to pray with you. If you've experienced bitter circumstances, I want to pray that God will turn those bitter circumstances around. He'll turn that mess around. He'll he'll, he'll use this test to be a testimony, a mess, a message. And I want to pray with you. If you've not received Christ, I want to invite you to receive Christ. You know, our, our Father loves you. God loves you. And He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's got a plan and a purpose the bitter circumstances as you've experienced and if you need to overcome bitterness today god wants to set you free from bitterness so that you can experience his amazing love i want to pray with you right now will you bow your heads with me right now and can we pray and if you want to receive christ today just ask jesus into your heart jesus i've made decisions I, i have sinned and i have fallen short of your glory and jesus i need you to forgive me of my sin I I need you to cleanse me of my decisions, my past decisions, my sin, and I invite you to come into my life to be my Savior. If you if you if you've experienced bitter circumstances, you're struggling with unforgiveness and bitterness, will you just say, God, I surrender these bitter circumstances to you. Jesus, I put it in your hands. Help me to forgive. Help me to forgive. Turn, turn this around. Let me begin to see what I'm not seeing through the bitter lens. Let me begin to see. Your love. Come on, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you love me. Lord, I confess my sin. I confess, Lord, that I have sinned against you. I confess, Father, that maybe I have been unforgiving or I've allowed bitterness to work and establish in my heart. Jesus, I don't understand why these things happen, but today I choose to trust you. I invite you into my life today. I invite you into my hurt today. I invite you into my pain today. I invite you into the bitter heart that I have today. And I ask you to bring transformation. I ask for your grace, for your forgiveness, for your mercy. I ask for your healing today. Heal me today. That I can walk and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to invite you to do something. If you've downloaded our app, will you go to the connect tab and fill out the decision card? Will you email us at info at and let us know? If you're struggling with bitter circumstances, if you're struggling with that and you want prayer, you fear, and you, wanna, you want to overcome that, will you email me and let me know? Will you email info at painesvilleag.com and let me know? Will you leave something in the comments here so that we can be praying for you today? and know of the decision that you made. Friends, as we close today... Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.